Lindsay Hislop and this is When I Grow Up I Want To Be, the career podcast. For over 15 years now, I've been working with elite athletes, Olympians and other individuals, supporting them in their own personal and professional development. And from my experience, one of the methods to help with this guidance that has a huge positive impact is simply learning from others. And so here on this podcast, I have conversations with women in a range of jobs to gain an insight into what they actually do, how they got to be where they are, what their career journey has been like, and to hear what advice they would give to others that are interested in that career. I'd hope you'd find these conversations interesting and hopefully enlightening, and they might be a good guide for you for when you're asked the question, so what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, this week's conversation, um, I'll be honest, has been months in the making. I recorded this episode with Jess Thilby, England netball head coach, um, a few months ago, back in September, just before, literally the day before, her and and the team flew out to New Zealand. Um, And I'm... I was so, so grateful for her time and the conversation was incredible. I'm really interested when I have these conversations about what it is about the person, the individual that gets them to where they are. What is it um, that they have? What is it that they've identified in themselves that has helped them um, to excel in their career? And for Jess, helping people to get better, um, collaborating with other talents to to strive towards um, to, to strive towards success and an end goal and also enjoying the learning process. That's just some of the things that she talked about. But why and how has that led her to come from being a student of the game, a player of the game, although thriving and excelling in the game? How has that led her to be England netball head coach? Well, I'll let her explain. I hope you enjoy. Here goes. Jess, it's great to see you. Um, I feel very, very privileged that you've set some time aside because you're flying to New Zealand tomorrow. So hopefully this is a bit of a, a chat over coffee during a coffee break. That's what I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be. Um, for today. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Great to see you. Um, now, I typically start these um, these kind of episodes of a bit of background to put in context what somebody's job is and um, to give some information there. But I think I'm going to switch it up a bit um, for you, if that's OK. So um, and I know that you're that you're going to this, but you're a former England netball international. You've played for Bath in the Super League, represented England at Commonwealth Games along with a lot of the coaching and you're currently head coach for England netball for the England netball team um so I'm interested I work with a lot of athletes um and I'm sure that there's going to be athletes listening there's going to be listeners that either play sport and think that's what I want to do I want to be a coach and I want to to um to coach the elite so I'm just really interested in how you how you got to do the job that you do so, yeah not not too hard a question to, <laughs> to start with but yeah it's um it's sometimes it's really I want to thank you because it's nice to take stock sometimes and be taken back to kind of 
how I did get here. Um, and I think it's fair to say that I didn't, as I, I remember being quoted as a maybe nine, 10 year old at primary school in the local newspaper. Um, I didn't, my quote wasn't saying I wanted to be the England coach one day. It was definitely saying I want to be the most capped England player ever, which okay. which was a nice lofty uh, ambition. <laughs> you say My son's got a picture on his wall that, of Yoda with the Incredible Hulk and it says dream big. So I definitely was doing that at a young age. Um, not really in the complete innocence of not realizing like what that actually was going to take. But yeah, I, I started, as you say, as a, as a player, like that's my, I fell in love with the game most probably, I think I was year four at primary school. So not sure how old that makes me, maybe eight or nine. Um, and like a lot of other performers really like had, I had a mum who started a little netball club up locally for other mums. Um, and then I had a PE teacher at, well, a primary school who was like really into a netball. And I think, yeah, like so many people, those early influences like proved so important, I guess, on my my journey as a player, first and foremost. And yeah, fast forward a little bit. And <clears throat> um, uh, I was fortunate enough to make kind of my first England trial was for the under 16 England team. And really, once I got into that, um, I was fortunate to then work myself through the age groups back to back years consecutively, most probably like between 16 and 26 was representing England at either age group or, as you say, culminated for me, most probably the pinnacle being the Manchester 2002 Commonwealth Games uh, and played a few seasons after that as well. Uh, and everything in between under 21 kind of World Youth Cups. Um, but I guess in terms of coaching, I mean, now, now it's always a bit easier, isn't it, retrospectively to think back to kind of I was always incredibly curious as a player. I was literally like the equivalent of a mum and a child, like tagging on my coach's arm, like wanting to know why we were doing what we were doing. What were, what were we going to do next? Can we just play the game? Um, and so I think looking back, I most probably drove my coaches mad. Um, so, yeah, that curiosity was definitely in me. Like I like to understand like reasons behind things and how things work so I guess yeah being an athlete that that put me in a good position really because I was a keen I was keen and open to learning um always wanted to give my best really had I didn't want any regrets so I remember just following every program or I was a bit of a netball geek to be honest I'd do everything I was told in the hope that you know all I can do is do that and trust the experts around me and hopefully that will take me somewhere really special which it did um and I just wonder whether or not, like, I guess my more <clears throat> uh, formative years or successful years were most probably when uh, the Team Bath programme, um, you know, that, that's an umbrella for multiple sports. They were the first place really to invest in a full-time netball programme. And I was still um, studying at university at the time, but because I'd been in and around age groups and it was relatively rare in the Southwest to have anyone representing England at that time. Um, so <clears throat> I remember getting a phone call from... Jed Roddy and Alison, um, yeah, Ali Oliver, deputy and head of sport at the time. And they told me about this concept and I just put the phone down and went straight over to Bath and <laughs> they didn't even have the coach at that point. And I was like, I'm in, um, I was studying radiography at the time, at, um, UE in Bristol. Um, and so took, <clears throat> yeah, I kind of just signed up as their first person really. And um, a few weeks after that, the, the, um, the former Silver Ferns coach and player Lynn Gunson came across as the full-time coach. And I think from that point, like my love for the game and learning, I think just grew exponentially. It was a, excuse me, a critical time for me in my playing career because I was going to be going to a World Youth Cup. 
um, in Cardiff in the year 2000. And after that would be that big transition if it was possible to get into that senior side. Um, so it was really, yeah, it was a significant time for me in my playing career. I took a year out from my radiography degree um, and then trained twice a day, every day, got the train from Nelsie and Backwell over to Bath for like 7am training, came back, was writing all my notes from every session and then came back in the evening. And yeah, that was just my routine really for that year. Um, and then returned back to uni and managed to keep that training up. And yeah, the, the whole programme kind of took on, yeah, it was brilliant. It was the first of its kind. We got into a super cup and a super league and playing like a different style of netball to anybody, like anything you'd seen really in England. And even the England team didn't train every day. Like they were just in for weekend camps. So it was all very novel really and quite pioneering. Uh, and I think during that time at Team Bath, like Lynn was a, an important and big influence on me. Um, <clears throat> and I think because she was an overseas coach, it was just really insightful. Um, and it was very difficult for me at the time to kind of, I always felt like I left a session, like feeling like something had been done to me, but I couldn't quite articulate it. Because if you watched from the balcony, it just looked like the most simple of practices that we were doing. But it really taught me, I think, in the years later as a coach, like it's like where to focus people's attention. It's not about the what you do, it's the how you're doing it. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of really resonated and stuck with me. And I think towards kind of, as I approached kind of 24, 25, 26, during the kind of latter years, and I didn't know they were my later years in, in playing at the time, Lynn was really kind of committed. And I, th I think a lot of this maybe happened implicitly. I think she kind of saw some potential in, in a group of us, to be honest, um, beyond just playing. And maybe without us even realizing, therefore invested quite a lot of time in helping us really hone those skills. Um, and so we used to go on, we went on a tour to South Africa. I remember going as a team bath group and we had a really talented pool of players at the time, but there were three or four of us that she deliberately got to kind of play and coach. So we would lead some of our peers through a tournament over in South Africa. And these were all like really unique and quite, I'm not going to lie, quite challenging and uncomfortable situations to be put in as a young player, not yet realizing that maybe coaching would be a path I'd go down. Um, and so I'm really grateful, actually, to Lynn, because I think, you know, I then got to coach on maybe England, what they were called then potential camps. So I was still quite young, maybe um, early 20s. Uh, I went through my coaching qualifications then, even though I definitely first and foremost was a performer. I still wanted to play for England. And if it wasn't England, I was still playing Super League. Um but as well as doing that, I kind of, I guess I was gathering these experiences, both formal learning, but also some informal learning within the environment I was in. And um, yeah, I think that led, one thing led to another. I, I took some age group teams, I assisted, um, I led some of those age group teams, then co-coached an England under 21 team to a World Youth Cup in the Cook Islands um, in 2009. Uh, and it was, I think it was on or around then that, UK Sport ran the Elite Coach Programme, um, which was basically a programme for up to 10 coaches from any sport who showed potential, I think, for national roles and or, I guess, performance directorships, something along those lines. Um, and England Netball nominated me. Um, and I went through like a, I remember going through such a rigorous selection process. And this was all so new to me. I felt so green. <laughs> I don't know what the other candidates must have thought. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, you know, England Netball thought it was worth putting an application in. And UK Sport kindly chose me as one of those 10. And that just, it, it was such an awesome experience because it came at just the right time for me. Um, 
it was a funded program. Therefore, you know, up until that point, I'd worked in sport development. So I qualified as a radiographer. So worked as a radiographer at the Bristol Royal Infirmary for two, two to three years. I uh, got my first kind of promotion there before, I guess, being afforded the opportunity through this program, but also back at Team Bath to, to go back into sport, really. Um, I'd also worked as a development officer, netball development officer for the Bristol City Council. Um, but what this UK sport program did was it funded a full time position in effect to be supported by a group of mentors who almost with UK sport developed an individual plan as to this person shows potential. What else might they need in terms of learning opportunities, even academia? So I started a master's um, in coaching science at UIC at the time <clears throat> uh, and then went and you know allowed me to go on placements overseas so I went and spent some time in New Zealand in Australia uh, and this was all happening to me you know at the age of like 24 25 and I'd made the decision at the point where I got the place on the program I thought naively that I'd be able to do both I'll just keep playing Super League which was quite demanding um, and I'll do this UK sport program and then I quite quickly realized that this was a massive unique opportunity that I'd been selected for and actually to give it my best shot I most probably needed to make that decision then as to whether or not I was really serious about coaching um, so I, I yeah I stepped away from playing quite young um, in our sport it was quite young um, most probably because in in the heart of hearts I think I'd most probably reached the ceiling of where I could go like I had played for England I wish I'd been more of kind of like a starting seven player on the starting sheet every time but I also am really grateful for the experiences and opportunities I had and I thought I could spend two or three years trying to do both and maybe be mediocre now at both or I can kind of accept my playing career for what it was be really proud of that and then throw everything at coaching and see see what was to come of it really so yeah that's what I did so um uh, yeah, and I guess from that point, it's a bit of history, really. Like my Lynn left Team Bath, and I took on, um, I took on that role again, really inexperienced, but really grateful because, because I'd come through that system, I really cared about it, and we'd had quite a lot of success, and I was really committed to wanting to try and play a part in ensuring that it was successful in the future, despite Lynn um, moving back home to New Zealand. Um, so I think, yeah, my my care of the program is what drove me really and I would have made and still make tons of mistakes I wouldn't have known what I was doing um but I really loved the autonomy and the support that Team Bath gave me to almost kind of grow into the coach that I am now um and yeah that's that's it really I remember I remember getting asked the question at one point because of maybe being on that program it was like assumed that you wanted to be the England coach and I remember somebody saying oh you know, do you want to be England coach? And I was thinking for, for a period of time, I almost felt obligated to say yes to that question, mm. mainly maybe because I was on that program and maybe that was the expected answer. But actually a few years into coaching and when you kind of start to navigate what it is that gets you up in the morning and why you love the job, I thought it's not about the title for me, actually. And it felt a little bit naive that an England coach is just one job, you know, it most probably at best changes every four years, if not longer. Um, you know, it's all that's all going to be down to a time and a place and if you're the right fit. So to kind of strive for that as being what would be my measure of success almost felt it didn't feel aligned to my, my passion for coaching. And I also just thought, you know what, if if I'm only going to feel like I've done a good job, if I become England coach, then I could it could be quite a lonely existence in this coaching world. And I might miss 
all the great stuff that might happen in between now and then. So I quite quickly changed that narrative. I just thought it's not about the title for me. Um, it's just about like, I just loved helping people to become better. Uh, and I love the interaction. I love collaborating with people. I'm, I'm really open to learning, but I'm also, you know, I'm a bit further down the line now. I get that coaching is a responsibility and there are pressures to perform. And I also take that on. Um, but I always think there's something to learn. So every day is still a school day for me. Um, so yeah, it's funny how it's funny, isn't it? I stopped once I stopped answering that question. It's funny that what happened <laughs> five, ten years down the line when um when the timing's good and the opportunity you know was relatively unexpected that came across. So yeah, I haven't. It's a very long answer to what is most probably not an easy question. <laughs> I think think it's really really interesting though because there's so many layers to it and exactly like what you've said that if you just strive for that one end goal you don't celebrate the successes of each layer that if it wasn't for all of those layers that who knows if that would have been the path that you'd have gone on and it's that enjoyment at every single level because every player is striving for different kind of levels so if you can celebrate that yourself then you know what they're going through um yeah so if 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 those things didn't happen you'd as you said you'd kind of miss years of that and then when you kind of get there it's looking back and what was what was really interesting is what when you said kind of looking back retrospectively that you just without simplifying it wanted to be a netball player you wanted to, you just wanted to play netball and that that's what was pushing you on. And that the questions you were asking from your coach and, you know, what do we do? How do I do it? It's to make you better as a player. But then mm-hmm. that then links in to you then becoming a better coach. And it's interesting because I spoke to um, to some of the senior coaches with the athletes that I work with that have, that have been elite players and that they've said that they have, the insight of the player but then also once they've got the opportunity of doing coaching they get it they're like oh that's why they're pushing me that way that's why as a player my coach is asking me to do this that and the other when as a player you sometimes don't quite understand the reasoning behind it so I think that's really important to be able to see both sides and all levels as well yeah Um, and I just think that that kind of helps strengthen you to be able to be more personable with with athletes as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely that empathy and yeah, that compassion. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And how did you so when when you said that when you were younger that you wanted to to um, to be a netball player, how did that feel then? You've had all of that support network around you, encouraging you and I'm assuming kind of giving you that confidence as you as a coach of that pathway. But how did that decision feel for you to leave playing? And for me, I work with with players all throughout their career. So those kind of career ending injuries that those non-planned career endings are traumatic. Um, But likewise, are the ones that are planned as well of knowing that that is your last game. How how did that feel? Yeah, it's um, it's a really good question because I don't, I think because 
I can't remember what time of year it was when I when I got accepted on that program, but I think it was most probably kind of the end of a season and maybe in that kind of off season period. And in my head, I just kind of, I think at this point I was maybe on the fringes of the England team. So a new coach had come in an Australian lady. And I I don't think I was necessarily like at the front of her thinking. So I knew things were shifting at an England level, but in terms of team birth, I was still very much part of the, you know, the starting seven, or even though things were evolving there as well, I was one of the more senior players. Um, And so in my head, it was just, I was heading towards another season with Team Bath in the Super League, um, got onto this programme quite unexpectedly for me. Um, And then when I kind of started to really understand the opportunity that had been presented through that and the things that, and the doors that it was going to open and the people I was going to get to work with and um, learn from, I think it's just in my nature to just give everything I've got and um, so I, I guess in, in a nice way, I didn't know when that last game had been really right? Okay. Um, because it had happened. I think the time of year was kind of between seasons okay. and then it was just a case of kind of a realization and sitting with the mentors, um, and just thinking, I don't really want to waste any time. Like, am I going to achieve anything that I've not yet achieved in playing? Well, the signs were that although I was young-ish, like most people would say, you're peaking around 25, 26. So it was it was unusual to be thinking about not playing. But I was also a realist and I just thought I've most put, I've done everything any coach, SNC coach has ever told me to do. And that's allowed me to get to play for England and experience what it was to play in the Commonwealth Games. So I didn't have any regrets in the playing side, really. And and so I think I think I thought, you know what, Jess, you've you've done everything you've been told and it's got you there and you should be proud of that. Although I'm quite harsh on myself. So I wanted to get those. I wanted to be the most capped player, you know, like that nine year old (laughs) in me going, ah, like (laughs) only a few things had gone a bit differently, but then I had to be a bit kinder to myself. And I just thought, you know, for somebody like Lynn, who meant a lot to me, who, for whom I respected was invested in me and was showing signs that she believed I had that potential. I almost felt like I owe it to myself, but I also owe it to others to see if I can transfer my passion and knowledge now. Mm-hmm. Uh, understanding that I was young in terms of coaching, like the how to coach piece was going to be a steep learning curve. Um, but did I have stuff to offer? Like I I love helping people. Um I love the game. I got some knowledge through playing and I'm I'm the first person who understands not every player can make a brilliant coach. Like I, I totally get that. Um, but I was almost like looking forward to the challenge of just seeing if I could. Um, and, and so, yeah, I think I didn't know that it had been my last Super League game or something like that. So I think in some ways, maybe it wasn't quite as traumatic. And I think because I saw it as just a great adventure to go on, yeah. to get my teeth stuck into that, yeah, I, and and for netball, it was such a big deal, you know, like to have somebody represented on that elite coach program. Like I just thought you owe it really. You owe it to yourself, the sport, the people that are around you that are saying, go for it. Like we believe in you. Um, and I knew it was going to be hard and I knew I'd stumble my way through, you know, however many years of working out how to coach and how to share. I mean, definitely spent the first few years just telling every player in every session everything I knew, which really isn't coaching. But um <laughs> Uh, it was done from a place of good intent, but I think God now they must have been just been so bored, you know, like there's no point telling us the story of netball, like you've actually just got to tell us the bit that makes us better. Um, but yeah, I've 
I, so I don't think it felt, I think it felt, I was at peace with that. I think I looked forward to it. It was a good opportunity. And yeah, I've always, I've learned never to feel ready is, is feeling ready. So I think it's more about your preparedness. Like there's, I've gone for jobs and it would be so easy to question. I've not, I've not got enough experience. I'm too young. I've not done this. And I've just realized that actually if you grab some opportunities, some of them will come off. So let somebody else make the decision if you're the right person. If you're not this time, you know, it doesn't define your future. So I just think don't wait to feel ready for something. So I, yeah, I just went for it. Um, And hopefully that's partly, you know, part of the reason for being successful so far, but also hopefully how I can continue on the journey for the years to come as well. it, it, It sounds, it's so empowering though, hearing that as well. Um, because sometimes I think it's exactly like that when you said, you know, oh, I don't have enough experience or am I good enough or what happens if so-and-so goes for it, that there's always these barriers that you put up. And you, if, if you think about like who puts them barriers up, it's yourself. So if you just don't do it, then they just won't be there. Um, yeah. And I, I, I always like to look on the positive side. So when you said, you know, that you may not have been the most capped England player, but then you've give, been given the opportunity that you can potentially help somebody else become that. So it's, yeah. you know, it's pay it forward, isn't it? Which is actually a really nice reminder because that has happened. Like I have in the last few years, yeah. not, not obviously the whole of somebody's career, but, you know, Jade Clark has gone on to be the most capped player ever for a single nation. And uh, yeah, to have been to have been her coach for her like last few seasons and watch her beat like... Um, yeah push those barriers is has been incredible so yeah you are right that's a nice way to kind of reframe it I'll, I'll live my caps through others I think there um, you go yeah. there you go <laughs> pay it forward that's what you're doing you paid it forward so with your so thinking about when you had that conversation with your parents when you were nine of, of that was your goal what did what was their response how did they feel family friends when when okay what how did it happen how did you get the call the notification of Jess will you like to be the England netball rugby uh, coach how did you how did that happen and what was their response um so I think back in 2018, so kind of going into the 2018 Super League season, I'd been at Bath for 20 years as a player and a coach combined. Um, And I'd done a lot of roles with England Netball during that time as well. Like we spoke about some in terms of age groups. I'd I'd started my family in 2011 with the birth of my daughter. And, you know, within months I was overseas, like supporting the the Roses team and in different roles, you know, like assistants or specialist technical coaching roles. So my relationship with the national team had always kind of been part of my coaching journey because I, I like I'm just a huge if anything, at the very least, I'm a massive supporter and fan of the England team. I want us to do well. Um, and it just so happened that I was lucky, luckily in coaching. And therefore, if I could directly help in that space, like I just used to yeah, put myself forward where, when and wherever possible and try and help the development and growth of the game. And um but in 2018, I'd kind of I'd sat with the I'd sat with the thought for a little while around whether or not you know, was was the team bath environment and that role still right for me? Um, 
And, you know, 20 years is a long time. So I think it was right to kind of sit with that decision for a while. But come kind of autumn, winter of 2018, I kind of decided that that would be my last season. Uh, and I'd communicated that with the players that we were about to go into a Super League season with, like way ahead of time. And um, so kind of come May, June of 2019, I knew that that would be me stepping away from Team Bath, where ultimately it had been my life from a netball point of view, both my playing career and helping support that. But then, yeah catapulted me into the world of coaching so I had a lot to be really grateful and thankful for um so it was a big decision really so I hadn't made that decision and then looked for another job like I knew it was too big a decision to worry I mean which is not easy because I have a family at this point like it's not it, it's not a position that was easy because I've also got a duty to bring money home and you know put food on the table but my husband was brilliant in the sense of of course I wanted to go on and do something else but I just needed to almost make the decision communicate it and then really enjoy the ride of what that last season was and make sure the focus was on the team and not on me hence communicating that early enough really that it was kind of old news by the time the matches started so we could just crack on um, and just give everything I had for for the team to be successful for that last season. And um, yeah, so kind of May came really. And um, that that was my that was the end for me at Team Bath. And we'd kind of like planned maybe for a couple of months of just sitting with things, reconnecting with people professionally, personally, and just having a little bit of a scoping out as to, OK, so what next? I just think there was a, like you talk about decompression after tournaments like this was a 20 year decompression from an environment for which I loved. Um, so, yeah, I think that was kind of planned with the, you know, with the hope that something you know, I'd, I'd, get, I'd get a clearer picture as to what next, because I definitely knew that I loved coaching. So it wasn't because I wanted to step away from coaching. It was more where is the right environment going to be for me and where can I add value really because that's what I'd really found like environment and culture means a lot to me so how you feel in a place and I guess what permission you're given to make a difference and I, I love being in places that have big ambition that are prepared to think differently about how to get something done and aren't afraid of that like it's what kind of yeah that that really drives me um, so I needed to take a step back really and and have a think about what else is out there that I've maybe been a bit blinkered to um by being in one place for so long uh, and then it was completely unexpected I remember go I remember taking the kids to school and uh, Tracy's news broke that she was stepping away from the England job um, and this was obviously in the few months building up to the World Cup in 2019 um, and I found that out like anyone else I just found that out on social media and uh, much to people's like people can't believe this to be true but everyone seems to think there was some plan here and that this was all part of the plan. And I'd stepped away from team Bath because I was going to be the England coach. I mean, I'm very flattered by that, but it definitely wasn't the case. <laughs> um, so I found out on the way to school. And even then it wasn't like my thinking immediately went to, okay, I want to be the England coach. Those two things did not happen concurrently. Like I was just more like, wow, that's massive news, you know, like, um, and really happy news for Tracy as well, um, given that she, you know, she'd fallen pregnant and, you know, how she documented some of the struggles around that. So I didn't it, I didn't even really cross my mind associating myself with that role at that point. I think I was still in a bit of a brain frog, brain frog, fog, sorry, fog, <laughs> brain fog around kind of where I was headed and just trying to sit with that and not kind of rush. Um, and yeah, it was big news. You know, it was directly before a World Cup. So. Yeah, I guess in the in the next few weeks or so, I think the performance director 
I believe I would have been one of maybe a few people that she was picking the phone up to, maybe just to scope. I'd been involved with England Netball before, so I think it was a scoping out of, would you be interested in considering to apply for the job? And then, like, I guess once you're asked that question, you're like, oh, maybe I should just think about it. Like, <laughs> just, I think it was just a bit premature in my, like, I'd finished a role. I'd been trying to tell myself, just give yourself a little bit of breathing yeah. space. I was trying to be a decent mum. Um, <laughs> and then kind of out of nowhere, like the biggest role that you could wish for <laughs> it becomes vacant. And then somebody's asking, would you put your name on Like, even now you can see on my face, like it was all just a bit surreal for a while. Um, and most probably I haven't really remembered the timelines very clearly. It was most probably quicker than I thought. And um, I remember speaking to Brian Ashton, actually. So linking back to rugby, I remember calling him. He, he's he been a mentor of mine for a long time and I really respect him. And I remember like hashing it out with him. He's like, well, why wouldn't you? Like everything you've done up until this point prepares you for this role. And, you know, with his true kind of northern pragmatic, like just cutting <laughs> through the crap, really. <laughs> like It was good to hear that because it was like, actually, you're right. Like when I look through what skills and knowledge needed, I've most probably done as much as I can do at this point to give myself as good a chance as anyone. Um, and so, yeah, I chatted it through with my husband and I guess that the hardest decision is just to make, it's just to put yourself forward for it, isn't it? Because ultimately after that, it's not down to me. Um, exactly what you were saying before that, yeah. it, you know, if you, if, if you wait to the time that you think you're ready, when will you ever think that, right. Okay. This yeah. is the day I'm ready. I have a lot to thank Brian for because he just kept it so simple. He's like, <laughs> and I had other mentors as well. Like I, I remember speaking with Lynn and I, I think once you can get past that, because a lot of things are just, they're muddied by fear of failure, aren't they? The vulnerability of putting yourself forward and, and you can't be in the world of performance sport if you're not prepared to put your name forward. And, you know, sometimes you're just going to get some really brutal feedback and, Whilst it might hurt at the time, if you can sit with it long enough, normally something good does come. It's just how quickly it comes. So, yeah, I think, as I say, the hardest decision was just kind of like getting clarity of thought, really, in a space where I really hadn't anticipated any of that happening so soon. Um, and once I'd made the decision in typical Jess fashion, I wanted the job. So <laughs> it, it was hard, like the doubting bit had come early and what if this and what if that? And then, you know, spoke to people. and It's like, actually, Jess, just get on with it and then once you kind of put the application in like so quickly it's just like this overarching feel of I really want to represent myself so well like I really want to do this like I'm passionate I really want the team to do well like and it you know I I was completely aware of all of the brilliant um success of 2018 and that actually in terms of timing you know there would be a number of people I'm sure that would not even embark on trying to take that job on <laughs> you crazy you, you know for all the best reasons but mm -hmm. actually knowing that the expectation levels were so high you know we'd made our first final and won it and you know I'm I'm in my lounge cheering on players that I was working with at the time and you know, I'm sure there were people that would have had a fleeting thought of, I'd like it, but not now. Like, it's going to be a tough gig. Um, and I just thought, you know what, I can't change the timing of it. Like, who's to say I'll ever get an opportunity to even apply for this job again? So uh, you can't think like that. And actually, it's one of the things that drove me the most, because I knew that I didn't want 2018 to define this team in the same way that 
you know, the 1966 football we still talk about as the last time we won the World Cup. Mm. I don't want 2018 to be the only and one time that the Roses have won something. So I just thought, oh, do you know what? It will be tough, but I like tough. I've learned that I'm not I'm not very good in easy situations, actually. Yeah. Like, however much I might moan <laughs> in the midst of, like, big challenge, it is genuinely what gets me up in the morning. And, it, you know, it's you don't start a family in 2011 and still and still go overseas and spend that time away from a young family if there's not something really driving you to do it. And obviously my family have become one of my most, if not the most important reason why I do what I do. Um, but I've also learned that I, I'm a better mum, hopefully for doing the job that I do for now, you know, like, because it won't be forever. Um, and that's, I've got to, yeah, I've got to find continue to make sure that I'm kind to myself in that space because I think sometimes that you know you can feel pretty guilty I think we all carry guilt to some some or lesser extent but um yeah I, I started our family and there's just something in me that just didn't want the easy road you know what I mean I've been told before you could just do this or you could just go and coach in a school and I don't mean that disrespectfully at all I think people who do that have a skill set that I definitely don't have <laughs> but I think what people are suggesting is oh you know there's so many things you could do you could have a slightly easier life and I'm like but there's just something in me that won't sit down and do that easy life so <laughs> the path at the minute and um yeah I love the roller coaster and I'm so grateful because as as with most people in positions like this your family are, are the most probably the biggest enabler really for me to be able to do it so yeah, I'm, I'm super lucky that I have two kids who love it and a husband who's put up with it. I'm going to say put up with it. It is definitely putting up with it time. So yeah, on the eve of going away for another couple of weeks to the other side of the world, um, I'm just getting that one in there for a bit of gratitude. <laughs> and are your children your biggest cheerleaders or are they just, oh, yeah, it's mum's job. That's she's going out to work. How does that sit with them? I think biggest and sometimes my only cheerleaders to be honest <laughs> get the mini violins out now but yeah there is definitely something to be said for yeah blood is thicker than water like I'm so grateful for you know over the years like my daughter's just turned 12 and obviously she's just she's only ever known netball really and grown up with it and Georgie's nine absolutely loves it as well I think he'd be brilliant at netball actually and Livy's kind of just on the start of her journey with it but um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I came home from Commonwealth Games last year and like, obviously we were all pretty broken with the result. And um, I've just got this picture because I came in, sat outside on the deck and I was pr pretty exhausted. And Livy and George got all their medals from like football or rugby or gymnastics. And they put every single one around my neck. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just, if I wasn't broken before, I was like, and they I, they weren't asked to do it. Daddy hadn't set that up. It was just, I walked through the door, dropped my bags, almost fell to the floor. Ooh. And within seconds, I've just got this image of me with like 30 of their medals around my neck. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think moments like that, and there've been so many like less, um intense moments in that where they just they just keep it real don't they and I think I, I love them just doing all sport they they both do loads of other sports um and I yeah I'm just super grateful for they're of an age now where it's you can bounce off conversations they watch every game like the SSN matches in Australia George is up first thing in the morning he knows everything about every team like they they've got no choice really but yeah they are that they, they are kind to me but they are also 
very honest in their own way and I love that innocence <laughs> sometimes it's like you know they they and they also say things sometimes that I'm not really able to say I'm not allowed <laughs> and I'm like it's quite nice that I have like these mini voices that I can kind of hear them say things out loud I'm like I wish I could say that but I'm not really meant to <laughs> um, so yeah they're they're kind of like um yeah they are a real joy and they definitely they definitely give me energy when sometimes like that can be hard to come by um yeah and they can be brutal can't they but they can put smiles on your face when they're actually doing it but as you say they can get away with it yeah exactly um so with your with your role what's the um what's the I don't even know if you'll be able to answer this what's (laughs) the best thing or things about your role what excites you the most about your role as head coach um I guess without being like too cliched I think it's just like being in a position where you genuinely do have a chance to influence the direction of travel for like not just the team but I guess the the whole system behind it really um obviously the sparkly bit that everybody sees is us in major tournaments or on the tv in a competition and like the black and white of us trying to win that um but I guess behind the scenes it's like um, planning for success in the short term with the group that are right in front of you but also I think what drives me and did drive me at Team Bath as well is putting a system in place that's going to give everyone the best chance of success year on year decade on decade like I want to be sat in my armchair in the years to come watching the Roses team still being around one or two in the world and um, I do believe that I have a chance whilst in this role to influence that a little bit um, so that there is kind of that legacy piece really, which is important. Um, So I love that. I think the privilege really of, I guess the best and worst part of my job is the privilege of selecting people for things. You know, like I just think it doesn't doesn't fall short on me how significant a role that is to play. you know, to to invite people to become part of the programme or to select them for test series and internationals, to give them their first cap, to give them their 250th cap, you know, like, I just think, yeah, none of that, um, none of that passes me by easily. And equally, you know, people feeling let down when they don't quite get it or they don't get it as quickly as they hoped or, um, you know, and seeing the devastation of that, it's not nice. but I believe that I do everything with good intent and like I trust in the processes that we've got. And my role is to help people to know how they can get closer to that, really. And as much as in the moment, it's not very nice. Um, you know, you've also got a million other moments where you've gifted people with something they've dreamt about. And if, you know, it reminds me of the little girl that I was and how much it meant to me when I got gift- gifted that um, cap. So, yeah, just that privilege, really. So making a difference. Um giving people a chance to play and represent their country and for the joy that brings their families. Um, and I guess making a bigger, more sustained difference to the system so that we can expect success in the future, as well as in the short term of the competitions that I'll lead the team through as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, timings now of just women's sport is, is huge and it's an exciting time to be, one within performance sport, elite sport, but women's sport as well. Um, it's incredible. And, you know, going back to what we were saying about within your career, with with within careers of the layers, mm. it's although 
as you said, like the devastation of not being able to give a player what they're wanting as their as their next step is all it's all a layer for them, and that everything is going to be building, and it's um, but it's yeah, it's easy to kind of sit here and say that I can yeah I can yeah. imagine that um and I was going to ask actually what the what the hardest part or the least fun part of your role is but I can imagine that's going to be along those lines I would think yeah I think so because like you're I'm in the job because I care about people um and obviously my way of showing that is to try and impart knowledge with them that helps them be better at performing the game of netball so and doing that in a way that kind of fills their cup as well as getting the results. And I think that's um, in the summer, that's maybe one of the things I'm most proud of is when I started the job and my experience as a player is you can stand on a podium and still feel pretty crap um, mm. because you, you can be still feel quite hollow, I think, depending on your experience to even get to that point where you're fortunate enough to stand on a podium. And I don't know why or how this has become so important to me, but and maybe it's just my personal experience as coming through myself um but that to feel connected to something and to someone as part of the journey to get the medal the medal is the nice bit it's the bit we can all see but I want people stood up on the podium for feeling so fulfilled um and that the memories they've made along the way the, the relationships that they've strengthened along the journey the friendships that will be with them forever um that there are other things that they can remember that got them on the podium that have made them feel good about themselves and proud about each other as well as the result. And I'm not trying to avoid the outcome bit because it's the business that we're in. Like we get that, but I just, yeah, my, I think as important to me is how you feel when you step onto the podium as well. And I think in the summer, I really sense that with this group, you know, like they, they dug really deep, they'd given everything they got. Ultimately, if we, came away with a bronze or we came forth again, I still believe that there would be a lot of that journey that we would have valued in the years to come and remembered with fondness and a smile on our face, even though we would have been missing that medal or maybe not the color that we wanted. Um, and uh, yeah, it's important to me for whatever reason. And I hope that by having that approach, it's meaningful to the teams that I get to work with. And I think, yeah, that this particular journey has been a roller coaster. But I, I feel pretty confident that if you asked any of those players from the summer to talk about the journey to that silver medal, they wouldn't just talk about the games and the and the outcomes. They tell you a lot of other stuff as well, which which would be both enlightening and um, <laughs> uh, memorable, I think. But yeah, I, I do think that's important because it's you give a lot, don't you? And I just think it needs to be more than just one sixty minutes at the end of a major tournament. Otherwise, again, life's passed you by, and it's a bit sad if you can't recall anything else. Yeah, it's that legacy piece, isn't it? As well, that it's it's how do how does an athlete feel? Exactly that what you said of stood on the podium. How do they feel? Um, and I wonder if that's a bit of an unknown of of elite sport of elite athletes that there can be that loneliness when the goal is reached. It, because that journey hasn't been as fulfilling as um as they'd hoped so I think that's a really really interesting point and there's it's great to hear as well that I mean I know that there's a lot of support networks and stuff around elite athletes but it's great to hear that the head coach feels that that they're you know that is what you're striving for but there's everything else that plugs in because if that's not right you may not reach that podium that's you know that's the other thing so it's putting yourself in that position yeah um 
so with your job what uh what would you say might surprise people about your job or is there anything about your job that surprised you so when you had that call when you know that you'd got the job is there anything now that surprises you that's in that's involved in it or or anything like that I don't know if I've just been around the block a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing surprises you anymore. <laughs> no, I, I, and I don't want to like, I don't really want to put like dampness on things really. But I think I just have been around the block a little bit, I think. And because in my previous role at Team Bath as well, I kind of wore multiple hats because it wasn't, you know, the sport wasn't and still isn't in a luxury position where it's yeah. fully professional and so you wear like lots of hats so I think as a result of that I kind of like had to dip my toe into lots of areas you know marketing comms sponsorship as well as the head coach like director of sport type responsibilities running budgets and so it gave me like a really great overview whilst being really not very good at most of those things <laughs> it kind of gave me a good overview that I think now I'm in this role, I'm most probably both highly annoying to people who are expert in those areas, <laughs> as well as hopefully just a little bit insightful. So my whole brain works by connecting things. I can't, even if I wanted to, I wouldn't just be able to do this. Like, I think the value is in being able to connect the dots. I don't have to be the expert at it, but I just need to be able to connect things to know that it kind of has its place with improving our performance on the court. Ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, so I don't think I don't think there are many things that surprise me. And there's stuff around like expectations. Do you know what I mean? But that's par for the course. You know, like our own expectations of ourselves, but then of those of the fans. Do you know what I mean? And sometimes they're not really based on very much evidence. But then I think let's give. We've got to give people the right to expect a lot of us and to want us to be successful but like that's tough really because when you look at probability or you walk in a betting shop nine times out of ten we're not going to be the favorites but you know quite rightly we want our fans to expect us to be successful because that tells me that there's been a huge shift in like the just generally the culture and expectation upon us that's a great sign because when I played in the seniors there was little expectation you knew the result of the game before we even stepped out on court against Australia and New Zealand which is depressing so I think actually it's a great time to be involved it's good to have high expectations and I guess so things like that don't surprise me it just means that you know the highs and the lows are quite significant you know like when things are going well and you win it's you know everything's great if you lose you know it's pretty it's a pretty brutal territory um but I think you know there's part of you where you've just got to, you've, you've just got to accept that a little bit because I think it would be worse if people didn't expect anything really um apart from mediocrity and I think well that doesn't speak well to what we're doing so I think that kind of sometimes that passion overspills doesn't it and it's our job just to kind of go, do you know what? We welcome that. We understand where that's coming from. We have it too. Um, we want we want to be successful. But um, so I'm not sure if, yeah, I haven't got a very good answer for that, really. I mean, <laughs> the only other things to surprise people is it's, you know, it's not all, um, I still, you know, wash the bibs every now and again. And like, I do, I do the bits that people think, I, I think because it's easily forgotten that we're not professional. Um, you know, we're really lucky and one of our unique, I think one of the things that is a performance advantage for us is the Roses programme, because I look to the other nations in the world for whom we're trying to chase, you know, Australia, New Zealand, they have brilliant um, 
domestic leagues they're professional you know like so they have a huge um pool of players for whom it is their job every week to play and train for netball and we're not there yet so that one of the things that i think is a performance advantage is our centralized program for a part of the year where the roses players come in um but ultimately we're not still professional so i think there are some mis misconceptions maybe around like the size of our sport and the resource in it like we we are doing our very best to showcase the game. Um, and as you say, I think there is space for all women's sport to be better invested in. I think we're um, I think we're all gonna, we could return value, I think, 10 times over. It just trying to convince people of that. Um, and in the years to come, I think, you know, it'll be a really wise investment. So I think there's space for all of us, you know, the 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 rugby, the cricket you know, the hockey, the lionesses, like, I think it's such a great time to be involved in women's sport. But yeah, you know, you scratch the surface, and we do exist on quite limited or little resource, really, we, we're, I think, in relative terms, we're batting way above where we should in terms of achievements. Um, and it's really tricky to get that balance right, because it's not an excuse, you know, we don't, I don't use them as excuses at all. And I think there's a lot actually to be said for the fact that you think differently and creatively when you don't have a lot of financial or manpower. I think it means you get the, the maximum out of everything and everyone that you've got. Um, but yeah, if we just had a small percentage of what some of the, you know, the bigger professional sports had, I think we've learned how to use that really wisely now. Um, and I think that's maybe different to some of our bigger sports and that's a strength. So yeah, I mean, there aren't loads of us um, from a resource perspective, you know, really proud that over the last couple of years, I've had England Netball support to increase like the coaching resource as an example. So it's really only been the last two years where we've had one, it's only been a full-time head coach, managed to increase that to another full-time assistant coach and two technical coaches for the first time ever. Um, so you can see like it's baby steps, but it's huge ones really in relative terms to where we've been. So yeah, you know, I I get stuck in. So it's not all privilege. It's definitely not all <laughs> privileges behind the scenes, but I don't do it for that, to be honest. Like I would get stuck in irrelevant. Um, so yeah, there's no no big surprises, I don't think. And I wouldn't, to be honest, I really wouldn't change much about it, really. Just driving the profile for the game. Um, and if in the time I'm in this role, I can just help do that, then I'll be really proud to have hopefully just added a bit to that, to the strength of that, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I think that's it. I think the surprise for me would be is that whole resources side and that the, the players aren't professional. So, you know, my sister's niece is um, Leeds Rhinos, and, but she's going to university on a medical degree to, to become a doctor. And she's having to try and manage all of that. And that's because, you know, she needs to think about her career because yes. because it's not professional and that you it, there has to be that kind of hold your career so yeah it's massive and I think that's a massive massive surprise so the success that you've had um and everything that you do and raising the profile of of women's sport of netball of you know of getting the whole country behind you and as you said it is you know it's brand new to have full-time staff that's but then there's part of me like that drives me like yeah. I love I love that part as well that, yeah 
despite despite those things we it makes the successes all the more satisfying yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And i'm sure your niece will do well we've had good role models in Layla Gusketh and Amy Carter who <laughs> yeah i think sometimes you know you just want the players to not have to struggle quite as much as they have to do and i think yeah i mean i wouldn't change it i'm a big believer that actually having something outside of sport is also what makes them as you say drives them to be successful but I think there's just that balance if we can just readdress that a little bit and give choice to the additional things that people want to do that mentally is stimulating as well you know like a lot we've got uh, the teams that I work with have got such high intellect you know like they they love doing other stuff but it's all they've ever known so I think if we can have more choice I think that would be brilliant moving forward yeah and that's it and and that's the thing that as it kind of grows, that there's going to be hopefully the opportunity to be able to do that. And as you said, role models around to be able to show that it, you know, that it can be done and things. Yeah. So just to kind of um, kind of tie things up with the last couple of questions of if if there's somebody listening, if there's a, a you know, for me, if there's a professional athlete that's listening or anybody else that's interested in that plays netball and that's wanting to to become a coach what makes what makes a good coach what makes you a good coach and what have you found in others that you've maybe tried to learn from and bring that into your coaching style um I think I think it's really important to love love your game so love your work and love your people and and really get to know them um because I think on the toughest of days or the toughest of times there has to be something greater than the job that gets you out of bed um and as I've said for me it's never been about the title it's not about how much you get paid uh, all those things are nice um but they're not going to be what really drives me on a day you know when stuff's kicked off or you've lost a you know a big tournament or a big match like it's as soon as that happens my motivation turns to I need to help the players so what's my role now for us to move through and out the other side so that we can get back on track and give it another crack so I think yeah love what you do be and be really open to learning like just never stop learning surround yourself with people that think differently and embrace that don't be scared of that um, and that's easier said than done. You know, like sometimes we wake up and we just want somebody that's going to agree with us, but it's not most probably going to get us where we want to go. So I think there's a really healthy way that you can create an environment and surround yourself with people who have the right intentions and agree with where we want to go. But it's really important that you have people that think differently about how to get there. Um, so, yeah, those I guess those would be my main things like you know you're going to find your own way as a coach you're all going to everyone's going to be different but for me being really collaborative open to listening from others and taking the bits of that and having like trying stuff like not being afraid like you just want to in particular in roles like this you're not in them for long so you've got to give it everything and not be too scared to try something um as long as you know there's you think it's going to do it's going to help more than it's going to do any harm. As long as it's not going to do any harm, then I think, yeah, just bring people with you on the journey. Um, yeah, keep learning, be open, stay true to yourself and the people that you're serving. So I guess for me, that's just around like um, 
I would I would never do things at all costs. So and I definitely wouldn't do them at the cost of those that I'm there to serve, which are the players and the staff that I work with. So I think it's just morally understanding like where your moral compass sits and just staying true to that um, and being OK sometimes to either say no or walk away if you feel like things you know, because there's lots of pressures, different pressures in these roles. You know, it's not quite straightforward as just playing a game of netball really well. You know, there's lots of other things and people that you're trying to please. Um, and there can be some tension with that sometimes. So I think if you're really clear on your kind of um, principles and you know that they're coming from a good place, then stay true to those uh, and don't feel pressured to do things at all costs. Um but yeah, know your people, love your people, love the game um, and just be open to learning and be curious. Yeah. Brilliant. Fantastic. It sounds, yeah, it's been great to just delve into it. And, and so many of these episodes that I've had with different guests have been, there's been an interest and they've not quite known where or how it's going to go, but just being, just enjoying all of those steps and exactly what you've talked about, the opportunities of not being afraid to seek out opportunities or say yes to opportunities, even if you're not quite sure yeah. where it's going to go. Yeah. Um, because yeah, now, now look, it's, <laughs> you know, it's um, yeah, no, it, it's great. It's great. So thank you. Thank no, you. Thanks for having me. It's been really lovely being able to uh, take me back to get me out of the day job and back into, yeah. well, in some ways out of the day <laughs> job and get reminiscing about the, yeah, the journey to this point and reminding me as well of the things to hold on to that are most important. So yeah, I appreciate that just no. before I go on, uh, go on, get on a plane. <laughs> For a couple yes. of hours that's it so yeah now you can get back to packing <laughs> so, <laughs> the joys of your day job. having some clothes is quite important I think whilst being away <laughs> so. otherwise you will be constantly cleaning all the kit and trying to wear all of that's that that's true that is true thank you so much thank you it's been an absolute thank joy you. to speak to you thank Aww. you wow what an honour that was to to engage in conversation for such a great amount of time with Jess and to to gain such insightful perspectives on well her life as head coach and and her recollection in her own words of of her experience and her career journey and Jess really spoke so openly about her experiences and has such clear self-awareness um that well I gained a lot from that conversation and well not every student would make a good teacher and that's that really is the same within sport that not every athlete is suited to coaching but to have the privilege of talking and and hearing from someone that has done just that and to well, it, elite level well I really was I was honoured um and what a great episode to kick off 2024. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that episode and, um, and I hope you can come and join me again for the next episode on When I Grow Up, I Want To Be, the career podcast. Mm-hmm.